Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks, Mr. Williams. And I'm sorry, the first was it Tuck? Miss Tuck? The first lady who was singing? Okay. Was that my correct on her name? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Thanks to all of you. Really appreciate that. I think we could all go home now, you know? We got, we got a lot already this morning. Appreciate all of you. The messages, the songs, uh, was right, right on target. Let me get myself situated here. And then we'll get into uh, my topic for today. And I'll tell you a little bit about uh, my travels to get up here, just to let you know what's going on at another feast site. I was down in uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Let me uh, turn this. I knew there was something else I uh, needed to do here. So uh, I turned it on now, so we'll see if we're good over there. Maybe I shouldn't have turned it on. <laughs> All right, are we good to go, sir? Thanks. Sorry about that. Let me get a little sip of water here. Okay. All right, I was down in Fort Walton Beach, Florida uh, to begin the feast. And those of you that don't know where that is, it's near Pensacola. It's in the panhandle of Florida, um, western Florida. So I was down there until yesterday. And I, I got on three planes yesterday, and then I rented a car in Detroit, and got here late, late in the afternoon yesterday. So it's good to be here. Sorry, a couple of you saw me down here yesterday. I wasn't in, ready to talk at that time. I just wanted to rest up a little bit. But I'm ready to talk today for anybody who uh, wants to talk at any time. And I'd say there were about... Oh, 550, maybe close to 600 people down there in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Uh, there are a number of groups down there, Church of God Cincinnati, the uh, Common Faith Network, the Church of God International. I believe there's another group that was amongst those three. There may be four groups at that one site. So they had about uh, close to 600 people there. Really good feast, a lot of good fellowship down there. And I send you greetings from down there. I also got some information while I was there from uh, Guy Swenson. I don't know if some of you know Guy Swenson and his ministry over in Indiana. But he said that uh, Charles Gross's mother was doing a little bit better. So those of you that have been praying for her, uh, she was doing a little bit better. The information I had about two days ago, uh, just to give you a little update from down there. Uh, let me let me just ask. I'm going to get into my message now. And does everybody have paper and pen out there? If you don't, I'd like you to get a piece of paper and a pen. And I've got some folks handing out a single sheet of paper and a pen if you need it. You don't have to take part in the little exercise we're going to have right now. But if you want to, uh, just raise your hand and somebody will bring you a pen and a piece of paper. If you've already got it, you're ready to go. I'm going to start things off with a little exercise this morning. So I'll just give my friends a moment to pass that out. Uh, anybody else, just put your hand up if you need a pen and a piece of paper. There's just a few hands over here on my left. A little bit up in the middle here. So we'll get those out within a minute or so. 
and I'd like you all to participate if you could. That way you'll, you'll get the point a little bit better, I think, as to what I'm trying to get across here. And that'll begin my uh, discussion. And it's interesting that the opening prayer, within that opening prayer, is that Mr. Brathwaite? Is that correct? Do I have the name correct? Tony? Is it Tony? Okay, so Tony had a word in his prayer that struck me because it's exactly what I'm going to be talking about today. So I was like, whoa, but wait a minute. He's, he's using that word vision in the prayer, and uh, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. I think we've had all the paper passed out, now all the pens are out, and I think there's one young lady right there that needs one. And we're ready to go. So here's what we're going to do, gang. I'm going to give you some directions, and I want you to draw what I ask you to draw. That's all the direction I'm going to give you. Then I'm going to explain it to you. So get ready to write what I want you to write. Now, y'all ready to go? So if you hold your paper kind of like this, all right, have it hold it like this. And what I'd like you to do is this. Go about two inches in from the left, then go up about two inches. At that point, I want you to draw a horizontal line about three inches. I want you to then draw a vertical line about three inches. I then want you to draw a diagonal line about two inches. Come down in a diagonal line about two inches, then drop straight down vertically in a line with your pen about three inches, then move to your right horizontally about two inches, go up about five inches vertically, draw one, two semicircles, three, four, five, six, seven semicircles clockwise, drop straight down vertically about five inches, draw a line to your right horizontally about three inches, lift your pen off of the paper, go up about five inches on your sheet, draw a circle with six spokes coming out of it. Okay, we're done. Now, did, did what you come up with look like this? Did anybody come up with this? Something. Somebody's got something close. This young man right here, somebody's got something cl close back there. I can't see back there. I got my reading glasses here, but these are my glasses from far away and I can't see. What, what happened? I was going too fast? So let me ask you something. In life, does life sometimes come at you too fast? So let me ask you this. If I had showed you the picture from the beginning, that would have helped, right? If you had this vision, it would have assisted you in doing what I wanted you to do, right? Vision. Vision can help you get to your goal, right? Okay, so keep that in mind as we talk about what I'm going to talk about today. That vision is very important to get accomplished what we want accomplished. And of course, more importantly, what God wants us to accomplish now you guys all know the scripture, but let's go there just to make sure that we remember it. I want you to turn with me over to Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Proverbs 29 
and 18. Proverbs 29, 18. You know, I can tell you lots of things, but if I can't back it up from the Bible, don't listen to me. Proverbs 29, 18. I'm reading from the NIV. The King James makes it a little bit clearer here. It says, A servant... I'm sorry. It says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. So, where, But blessed is he who keeps the law. Now, those of you who are younger out there, I got, we got some little kids out there. How many of you know the story of Alice in Wonderland? You guys, you little guys have heard that story, Alice in Wonderland? So Alice is going down the road, and I think she comes upon the Cheshire Cat. And there's a fork in the road, and there are two paths. And Alice says to the cat, she says, which road should I go down? And the cat says, where are you going? And she says, I don't know. He says, well, it doesn't matter which road you go down then. And so for you young people, I want you to hear that. Alice needed to know where she was going. Because if she went down one road, there could be more problems down that road than the other road. So we all need to have that vision and know where we're going. Now I'm from the United States, so please excuse me Canadians here. I'm going to give you a couple examples from the United States because I forgot I was coming to Canada. I should have gotten some Canadian examples. But I think you'll know who these two people are. So John F. Kennedy, before he was assassinated, he had a vision in the United States. He said, I want to put a man on the moon before the end of the decade. Now when he said that, I think in 61 or 62, the engineers at NASA did not think they could get a man on the moon by 1970. But he proclaimed it, he put it out there, and by golly, they did get a man on the moon in 1969. He said it, and they did it. The day I was born, 51 years ago, August 28, 1963, Martin Luther King had a speech on the Mall in Washington, D.C. And in that speech, he had a dream he was talking about. We heard Jan with his dream earlier today. Martin Luther King had a dream, and in his dream he was talking about it wouldn't matter whether kids were black, white, yellow, whatever color they were, but one day they would all get together and deal with each other like they were brothers and sisters. He had a dream, a vision, that has not been completely realized, but we're getting closer to it in the United States than we have in the past. Now Martin Luther King probably had that vision because he was familiar with the Old Testament. And what the Old Testament says about the kingdom of God, and he came up with those ideas and that vision. I want to tell you about another guy who had a vision, but in a different way. As you can tell, my title today is Kingdom Vision. There was a fellow named Beck Weathers. He was a physician from Dallas, Texas, and he wanted to climb Mount Everest, the highest mountain in the world. 
And right before he, he tried to climb Mount Everest, he had eye surgery, laser surgery. And what happens when you go up Mount Everest and you go higher in altitude, this can affect your eyes. So what occurred was a snowstorm suddenly hit them and he lost his guide. He lost the guide who was taking him up the mountain. So he kind of just stayed where he was thinking his guide would return to him. He couldn't see anything. There was a violent blizzard and he was stranded. Little did he know that his guide actually died not too long after they, they got away from each other. He was stranded for 18 hours in a violent snowstorm over 20 some thousand feet up on Mount Everest and he was sitting down. He eventually laid down. He thought he was going to die. He did not have the strength to keep going. He was exhausted. He laid there for about 18 hours and while he was laying there, two of the individuals who were part of the excursion up the mountain actually were returning to the base camp and they saw him and thought he was dead and they left him there laying in the snow. At the end of 18 hours, out of nowhere, he has a vision of his family, his wife, his kids. He's almost dead. He said, it came to my unconscious mind that I'm never going to see my wife and kids again. So he got up. And he said, he remembered that they had told him that to get back to base camp, think about which way is the wind blowing. So he remembered that. He got up and he started walking down the mountain like this. Because while he was laying there, his glove had blown off. His hand was frostbitten. And his, hand, his arm froze behind his head. So he's walking down a mountain like this. He finally got to base camp. And when he appeared to the first people who saw him there, his face was completely black from the frostbite. He had his arm amputated to a certain point. He lost about four fingers on one hand. They had to amputate his nose and they did reconstructive surgery to put a nose back on him. But he would have been dead unless he got up at that moment and kept moving and moving towards his vision. Vision can inspire you. It can alter you. It can change you to keep going towards it. When you've given up, when you don't think it matters anymore, you cannot lose your kingdom vision. This world will take it away or try to take it away. It'll take away your enthusiasm, your energy for what you're looking for in that kingdom. Don't ever stop going towards that goal of getting to that kingdom of God. Don't ever stop. Don't ever let anything get in your way. 
like Beck Weathers, get up off the snow, regardless of whether there's a violent snowstorm. I don't care if your hand is frozen. Keep going towards base camp. You can make it, but you can't stop. You can't stop. You must go around roadblocks. You have to find a way there and not stop with that kingdom vision that you have of where you're trying to go and what you're trying to get to. Now you might say, well, you know, you're talking about JFK, you're talking about MLK, you're talking all this vision stuff that, you know, all these leadership gurus are talking about, you know, vision and goals, vision and goals. Folks, it's in your Bible. It's in your Bible. All the stuff these leadership books tell you, it's in your Bible. It's just said differently. Does God have vision? Does He give us vision? Let's take a look. 2 Chronicles 32 and verse 32. 2 Chronicles 32 and verse 32. The other events of Hezekiah's reign and his acts of devotion are written in the vision of the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. So Isaiah had a vision from God. God gave him vision to write something down so we could get it today. And he gave many of the prophets a vision. Okay? We're talking vision, right? God gave his prophets vision to pass on to us about things that were to occur. Why do we have this book? This book is a vision. It's what's going to happen and what has happened. It lays it out for you. And when you read it, you see what's out there. You don't lose sight of it because it's right here. Now you say, well, Mike... It's not exactly here. There's people lopping people's heads off in the Middle East. There are people dying of a plague in Western Africa. I don't see that vision here. But as Mr. Williams told you this morning, you are that vision. You have God's Spirit. You're supposed to use it and help other people see it through you. You can be that vision for other people if you've got the vision and you don't lose sight of it and you hold on to it and you keep it. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 1. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 1. Let's reiterate. As humans, we need to reiterate things. 1 1 Isaiah. The vision. Concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amos saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now he saw it at that time and it related to those people, but we know it also relates to these people today who are spiritual Israel today. Job 33 and 15. Job 33 and 15. I'm going to give you a few verses on vision. I want you to realize 
God is into vision. Job 33.15 Let me begin in verse 14. For God does speak, now one way, now another. Though man may not perceive it, though man may not perceive it in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds. This isn't the only way God makes us aware of things. But one of the ways he does is sometimes with the dream, sometimes with vision. And the prophets are full of getting visions from God, writing it down, giving it to their people, and now we have it today for what will pass in the future also. Vision is important to God. He knows how your brain works. He knows how your brain works. Therefore, He knows vision is important. And I'm going to address that in a minute. We're going to get into what neuroscience is discovering about your brain. Why vision is so important for your physical human brain. And who is the creator of your brain? Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah 21 and verse 2. Isaiah 21 and verse 2. Isaiah 21 and verse 2. A dire vision has been shown to me. The traitor betrays, the looter takes loot. Elam, attack, Medea, lay siege. I will bring to an end all the groaning she caused. Isaiah talks throughout about these visions he's getting from God. He's seeing these things. Ezekiel's seeing these things. Bad things. Terrible things. Folks, are you seeing that in the world today? You seeing people cutting people's heads off and showing them to you on YouTube? You seeing crazy, repulsive things today? Are you seeing a plague in Western Africa? Maybe not to the degree that we're going to see near the time of the end, but folks, 60% of those people who get Ebola die. 60%. That is scary. No wonder the people in Dallas are a little bit scared. And only two people there have gotten Ebola thus far. But if you don't have a cure and people are dying like this, that's scary, right? But we should not be afraid. We should not be afraid because your Bible talks about that type of thing happening before the time of the end. And here's the kicker. This life doesn't last. Your life will not last, folks. You cannot go on forever. It's going to end. So all that matters is the kingdom vision. Amen. Don't get stuck in this world. Don't let it pull you away. Get focused on the kingdom vision. Stay with it. Hold on to it. Grasp it. Don't let go of it, young people. You guys are lucky to grow up in the church. I did not grow up in the church. When I got to be about 17 or 18, I was thinking of being an anarchist, okay? I didn't like the way the world was. I had problems with the world. <laughs> And then I started reading the Plain Truth magazine, getting booklets, and I was like, wow, I don't have to be an anarchist or whatever I was thinking I wanted to do to change the world. God's going to take care of it. 
God's going to take care of this world and the craziness in it. And I got a hold of that vision and it's been sustaining me ever since. Ezekiel 8 and verse 4. Ezekiel 8 and verse 4. Ezekiel 8 verse 4. And there before me was the glory of the God of Israel, as in the vision I had seen in the plain. Big name in your Bible, Ezekiel. Big prophet, right? Boom! Vision here at the beginning of Ezekiel. Boom! Throughout Ezekiel you see these visions he got from God. Not only about his time and place, but about the future. Vision. Why? Why is God using vision to give these messages? We're going to get to that. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 19. Another huge biblical name here. Daniel. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 19. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel... In a vision, then Daniel praised the God of heaven. In a vision, he could see it in his mind's eye. He had something to focus on, something he could, he could grasp in a sense with his brain power. Daniel 8 verse 2. Daniel 8 and verse 2. Daniel 8 and verse 2. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa, in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Ule Canal. I looked up and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal. And the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. See the detail within this vision, this animal and its horns. And he was familiar with those animals. So he could relate to what he was seeing in his mind's eye, in this vision that God was providing for him. If you want some other examples, Obadiah chapter 1. Read about the fact he got vision from God. Nahum chapter 1 verse 1. And other prophets received vision from God. Now I think I've established that God uses vision. I think I've established that humans are tied into vision to approach major goals. We need vision. We need something out there we're trying to get to. But I haven't tied this all together yet. Let me start tying things together by asking you, what is your vision? So what is your vision? Think about that for a minute. We don't take enough time to just think sometimes. We're running around. Believe me, I, I'm, I'm doing this all the time, all day. Running here, running there. You know, I don't have time to stop and just think for a little bit. We need that time, folks, to dwell on our visions, our goals, what's out there for us, to keep ourselves on that right road. Okay, Alice didn't know which road to take. We need to know which road we're on. Okay? 
For, for those younger adults, Led Zeppelin said, yes, there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. That's true, folks, but don't get off the road. I'm a little concerned about where Led Zeppelin was going with that song. Well, that's another discussion later. But uh, getting back to my question, what is your vision? So when I say vision, I mean that, that large goal that you have, the most important thing in your life. What are you looking for out there? What is your vision? I hope, I hope the answer is in Matthew 6.33. Let's take a look at that vision I hope we all have. Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 6, 33. Now before he gets to this verse, Jesus is talking about people who are worrying. They're worrying about clothing. They're worrying about their next meal. They're worrying about this. They're worrying about that. You may be worrying about your job or the fact that you don't have a job. You may be worrying about your family. You may be worrying about somebody being sick. This, that, the other thing. I get it. I get it. I'm human too. I get about all that worry. I understand it. But what does your master and Lord say to you? Even with all that stuff going on, he says in Matthew 6.33, but seek first. I'm going to repeat that for emphasis. But seek first, number one, not second fiddle, the first thing you seek in your life. Not, not breakfast, okay? Not getting to work on time. Not having the newest gadget, not having the nicest car, the first thing you seek is His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things, all these things you worry about, will be given to you as well. Now some of you are saying, wait a minute Mike, I want that car and I haven't gotten it yet, I've been seeking God's kingdom first. Well here's the deal. I started thinking about this one day, and I used to want this fancy stereo. I can remember when I was like 19 or 20, so I could play Led Zeppelin on it, you know? So, when I started reading the Bible and getting into it, all of a sudden, the fancy stereo didn't matter as much to me. You know, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and I used to get upset when the Steelers lost. I mean, I would push furniture over in my house, knock down books. Oh, I'm serious. I, I got to confess. But now, I might go, mm. but I'm not throwing furniture down. It's not a big deal anymore. I, there's still a little bit of worldliness in me. I'm trying to eradicate it. But it is much different today than I was years ago. So what's he saying that everything else is, once the kingdom is it for you folks, nothing else should matter. Because you realize this life is going away. That the football team doesn't matter. The stereo doesn't matter. The car doesn't matter. Hey, if you get that, go ahead and watch the game a little bit. Have a little relaxation. 
you can do that? Nothing wrong with that. But don't let it take you over. Don't let it encompass your life. Because what happens is those things pull you back into the world. They pull you back into the trivial pursuits. And what's that all about? That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to give you a different vision. He wants you to love the vision that some love of lopping people's heads off. That's a vision. Those people have a vision. They believe a certain book. And folks, whatever people tell you, Islam began, it began with people doing that to each other. Muhammad ran over the Arabian Peninsula through the sword to take people over by the sword. So when these people are doing that today, they know what was going on in 600s AD. They understand that. And those who say when we're trying to take Islam back from the radicals, folks, the moderates are the ones who are changing Islam. Islam did not begin like that. That everybody's okay and we'll get along with everybody. No, that's not how Islam started. They're following their vision. They're totally committed to it. You need to be totally committed in the same way. And what do I mean by that? I don't mean by lopping anybody's heads off. God's going to take care of all of that. You need to be following His book and His dictates. That's what you need to be doing. Totally committed, completely giving up of yourself and your own life and what you want and following the life He wants you to lead. Amen. So when we see here that the vision for the Christian, Matthew 6.33, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, there are a number of goals you therefore set to reach that kingdom. One of the goals. Let's go to the feast days. Let's observe those feast days because they are a goal that gets you towards that kingdom. They bring back what this is all about. They help you see it. Repenting is a goal you set if you're first learning about this truth. Baptism is a goal you set when you're first learning about this truth. Observing God's law is another goal you set because once you start that way, you need to follow His way. So He gives you these goals to set up. You need goals that lead you to the vision. Without goals, you can forget about the vision. You're human. It will happen. There are influences that will take you away. But if you write down, why did I give you the piece of paper? We need to write these things down. I'm going to explain why in a minute. You guys are saying, why are you giving us homework? We're at the feast. Life is work, folks. Life is work. The kingdom of God will be work. You're going to be a leader in that kingdom. You think a leader works? A good leader. A good leader better work hard. Start practicing it now. You need to be practicing work now. Does it help to write it down? Does it help to write it down? Let me look at that for a minute. I did a sermon a number of years ago called
called Focused Prayer. I want to read you a quote I had within that sermon. I got this from a, a, a brain scientist, David Rock is his name. He says this in one of his writings, The brain can change as a function of where a person puts his or her attention. The brain can change as a function of where a person puts his or her attention. The power is in the focus. What brain scientists are discovering, that your brain is a quantum environment. It's pliable in a sense. That when you start thinking about something over and over and over, if you do a job over and over and over, you're actually creating, creating, interesting, you can create something in your brain, you're creating neural pathways that if you continue to focus on them, will be locked into your brain. You can make your brain focus in certain areas better if you continually focus on those areas. So, if you're always reading your Bible, if you're coming to Sabbath services on a regular basis, if you're going to Holy Days on a regular basis, if you're trying to live the law of love with your neighbor, every day this stuff starts to get locked into your brain so then when your buddy comes and says hey let's go get drunk tonight your brain which has been locked into all of this says no much easier than okay let's go down the out this road here alice i don't know where i'm going so i'm going to go down this road but when you know where you're going, when you're locked in, when you're focused, you stay on that road. You have power, especially with God's Holy Spirit. It will aid you to stay locked in on the correct path. And brain scientists are saying that this can happen. When I say quantum environment in your brain, your neurons are so small they cannot be seen. They're microscopic. They're, they're in the quantum area of matter. And the quantum area of matter is unbelievable, folks. Things can happen at the microscopic level that do not ha happen at the macro level we see around us. Your brain is pliable. It can be altered and changed. There's a spiritual component there that God is locking in with. And if you work with that element, that spirit, it can keep you on that right track, that right focus. But there's other spiritual forces in the world that understand the brain also. They know how it works. They want to lead you down those other roads. It's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. You're at war. Those Islamists are right. There's a battle, a war raging. They're on the wrong side. They don't know that right now. But God wants them too. He even wants them. Now on the last day, we'll talk a little bit about that. 
Your brain can be altered, folks. Just because you like this and that now, you can change it. I was talking to a couple people at breakfast, talking about smoking and how they gave it up, talking about drinking, how they gave it up. You can change. It can happen. It can happen. And with God's Holy Spirit, you got help. You got help. Dr. Daniel G. Amen. How about that last name? Amen. Dr. Daniel G. Amen says this. To harness your brain's power, it needs direction and vision. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. This guy's not in the church, okay? But listen to what he says. He's backing me up, so that's why I'm excited now. To harness your brain's power... It needs direction and vision. Young kids, those of you that had them or have them, you start working with those kids, you lead those kids, they're going to follow for the most part. To harness your brain's power, it needs direction and vision. It needs a blueprint. You are more likely to be successful if you define success Get this, clearly, specifically, in writing, with detail. i got to repeat that. Your brain needs a blueprint. You're more likely to be successful if you define success clearly, specifically, in writing, with detail, hint, hint, hint. Is this writing? Is it detailed? Is it specific? Thou shalt not. If you do this, if you do that, specifically in writing with detail. Sounds like God, but it's Dr. Amen. Studying the brain that God created. So why did God give us this book? Because He knows how your brain works. He put it together. He knows how you get locked in. If you focus, how it's going to happen, that it's going to get you to that vision if He gave us this book. This is your guidebook to the vision. This, the vision is in here. This is your vision about the kingdom. It's all in here and more. Don't lose the vision. Don't forget the vision. He's making it easier for us, folks. Thousands of years ago, they didn't have this in front of them. They didn't. You've got it right here in your hands. When I get down, when I get upset about the world I see out there, and I get back into the prophets and the kingdom, I'm back. I'm okay. I get that vision again, and I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the craziness in the world. The craziness is part of the process. This is a process. You've got to go through something. Think about your lives. Do you just get to wherever you want to go? 
Huh? Do you get the job you want? Boom, you show up, you can get whatever money you want, or do you have to go to school? Do you have to go to trade school? Do you have to learn something? You want to do something athletically? Do you just hop on the field and you can do it, or do you have to train for it? Do you have to go through a process to get there? Why? In every endeavor of humanity, what do we see? A process that leads you to that goal that you want to achieve. Why, why is that? Even people who aren't Christian do it, folks. Why? Because God wants everybody. He's allowing certain things to be in the world in a certain way. And even if people don't have this, even when they don't have this, there are things they are learning by just being human that will help them understand things when you guys are leading them in the kingdom. Everybody's in a family, right? Whether you like that family or not in this world, everybody's in a family. So they understand what that concept is. And he's bringing us all to that family in different ways. Dr. Heidi Grant Halverson. I want to bring the ladies in here too. I'm trying to hit all segments of the crowd here. Little kids, older kids, men, women. Dr. Heidi Grant Halverson. Here's a quote from her, same kind of subject. Evidence from over 1,000 studies, not 5 studies, not 10 studies, not 100 studies, over a thousand studies conducted by researchers across the globe shows that goals that not only spell out exactly what needs to be accomplished, but that also set the bar for achievement high. Let me say that again. It's not just goals. But if you write goals that set the bar for achievement high, that results in far superior performance than simply trying to do your best. That's because more difficult goals cause you to unconsciously think of my friend on the mountain. He was tied into his family. He loved his family. That was the number one thing in his life. And he's almost dead, but subconsciously, within his unconscious mind, something kicked in. Something kicked in and got him on his feet with frostbite, with an arm behind his head, not even knowing where he was going. He got up near death because he had a higher goal to achieve his family. Getting back to his family. Think about what was going against him. This was a superior goal that unconsciously manifested because it was still in his brain. It was still there. The brain is spiritual. The mind is spiritual. I don't know how it all works, but God uses it. God uses it. But also set the bar for achievement high, 
results in far superior performance. His guy died on that mountain. His guy died on that mountain. And that was a guy who knew the mountain. This guy was good enough as dead. But something in his mind got him up. He was locked in on that family thing. What are you locked in on? Is it going to get you up when you're knocked down? When you've got that disease? Are you still going to be positive? Are you still going to be fighting because you got that kingdom vision? Are you still going to be gone? Don't matter what's happening to you. Are you still going to be fighting? Going, getting up, not stopping. You will if you set the bar high. That's because more difficult goals cause you to often unconsciously increase your effort, focus, and commitment to the goal. Persist longer and make better use of the most effective strategies. High goals. Setting the bar high. Told you I'm not going to say it if the Bible doesn't say it. Turn with me to Matthew 5.48. That's some doctor telling you it. That's some doctor telling you to set the bar high for your brain. But Matthew 5.48, I think this sets, this sets the highest bar, okay? We can't get any higher than this, what God is setting. Matthew 5.48, Matthew 5.48, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I remember when I, when I first read that, you know, and I was like, man, be perfect? I can't be perfect. I'm a human. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. But now when I read about what science is discovering about the brain... And that when you set the bar high, sometimes your unconscious mind kicks in to help you keep going. To run that extra lap if you're going to be a miler. To study that extra hour if you're going to law school. To stay on the phone with somebody at uh, midnight and then they call you at 2 in the morning if you're an elder in the church. Now I'm not telling all elders to do that. I did that once, I didn't want to do it. But I stayed on the phone with this person, and I was like thinking to myself, why, why am I on the phone? This guy called me at midnight. I gotta get up at four in the morning. And I, you know, I thought we had it done. And then at three in the morning I got another call. That was my friend calling again in terror. This guy was in terror because of stuff going on in his head. And I didn't want to stay on the phone. i got to be honest with you. I'm going to get real with you, okay? I didn't want to be on the phone with this guy at 3 in the morning because i got to get up in an hour to go to work and I'm only getting four hours of sleep that night anyway and he called me at 12 to interrupt my sleep already. So I wasn't happy. 
I wasn't happy, I gotta be honest, okay? But I stayed on the phone with him and I didn't let him see that I wasn't happy. And as I talked with him, as I talked with him, and I realized where he was at, not where I was at, where he was at. Because you got to get rid of you. You got to lose the you. It's not about you. Amen. You're up for something bigger. God wants you to be like Him. Do you get that? Do you really get it? Do you get it? That makes me happy. That hypes me up. God wants me to be like Him. That is, wow, I can't totally get it. I don't totally understand it. But I have that vision. So I stayed on the phone with the guy. And the next morning when I got up and went to work, and it was later in the day and I was thinking about it, I was like, wow, you know, I'm okay. It didn't hurt me that I, that I stayed on the phone with him. We didn't stay on the phone for 10 minutes. You know? It went 30 to 40 minutes. I forget now. It was the middle of the night. But it wasn't a five-minute conversation. But later in the day, I got something from it. That Mike, really, that wasn't a big deal to stay on the phone one night with this guy for, you know, an hour or so. Even though you didn't get as much sleep as you wanted. Because Mike, that guy was in terror. He was upset. He was crying. He had a problem. You see how God kicks in for you. If you stay in His Word, if you continue to do His Sabbath, His holy days, your fellowship with like-minded believers, it just kicks in. It just kicks into your brain when you're weak. Tired? When you're tired, you're weak, right? I wanted to sleep. You guys know when you get up in the morning, if you haven't had much enough sleep, you want to stay in bed. That's the happiest thing you can do at that point. But if you're locked in, if those neural pathways are being created subconsciously, unconsciously, the spirit takes over and you do the right thing. But you have to work at it. You have to keep working at it. Day in, day out, over and over and over, you need to be doing your homework. No, no rest. Well, you got to get some sleep. I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> you got to lock into this. Because you're going to be a, a priest of God in a future kingdom. Revelation 5.10, you don't need to turn there. Revelation 5.10, Hebrews 2, let's turn there. Hebrews 2, get the vision. Hebrews 2, verse 10 and 11, one of my favorite scriptures. It gets me that vision, folks. Hebrews 2, verses 10 and 11. Gives me that vision. Hebrews 2, verses 10 and 11. 
say this, In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Phone call late at night maybe. Both the one who makes men holy. You're going to be holy? And those who are made holy. That's what it says. Are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Oh, I like that scripture. I love that scripture. High and lofty goal. If you want to be a part of the God family, you're going to have to do some work. Yeah, it's by grace. I totally understand it's by grace. But why does He have you work? There's a reason why you have to work, especially in your physical existence. It locks stuff into this brain, this mind, that helps you get to that goal. And we see through glass darkly. We don't understand completely that spiritual life, that spiritual world. But I trust God that He sets these goals for me in this physical realm for a reason. I need to keep that law for a reason. There's something I'm getting out of it by following it. It doesn't save you, but it helps you. It makes you. It transforms you into what you are to become. Into what we are to become. Got another quote here from a science fiction writer, Robert Heinlein. He said... In the absence of clearly defined goals, we become strangely loyal to performing daily acts of trivia until ultimately we become enslaved by it. Daily acts of trivia until ultimately we become enslaved by it. Pittsburgh Steelers, I admit... They enslaved me for a while in my life. Cigarettes, alcohol, men, women, whatever it is that's enslaved you, it's trivia. Because it's fading away. Oh yeah, it may, it may have felt good, it may have tasted good for a while, but it's fading away, folks. I'm 51 now. I thought I was 31 yesterday. It's like 20 years just flew by. 50, it's, it's half over. More than half. I'm like, where did it go? Pittsburgh Steelers? <laughs> Stereo playing Led Zeppelin. You need a higher vision. You need bigger goals. Because this world will enslave you to the trivia. There's another spirit, there's a spiritual force in this world, folks, 
that is trying to enslave your mind. There's a battle for those neural pathways in your brain. There's a battle raging. There's a fight. It's on. You got to train when you go to fight. If you go into a boxing ring or on a wrestling mat, you got to train. You need to have wind. You need to have energy, stamina to stay in it. I wrestled for a short period in school, and I can remember the third period, you were tired. It gassed you out. If you didn't train, you could lose, even if you were beating that guy. When you got to the third period, you could lose it. Even if you were a better wrestler than that person. Because they had more stamina than you. They were a little bit not as good. If you didn't train, you didn't make it till the end. Didn't endure to the end. You guys know the scripture, right? Endure to the end. To the end. You don't stop once you get into the church. You don't stop once you get baptized. You're just starting. You're just starting the process. There's two creations, folks. There's two creations. When you think about this vision idea, there's this vision that you have, but it takes work to get to that reality. John F. Kennedy had that vision, and those scientists had to work hard for nine years to make that happen. Martin Luther King's vision has not happened yet. It will happen in the kingdom. Jesus Christ's vision has not occurred yet, but folks, it's going to take work to make it happen the way it's going to happen in the Bible. You know there's going to be flesh and blood people on the earth in the kingdom. You know at the end of the kingdom there's going to be an insurrection. People are going to have to be put down again. You know Satan will come back. You know in Daniel that when God's angel was fighting with the other angel, the fallen angel, he couldn't prevail against him until he got some help. Those spiritual forces are powerful. You're going to be part of God's foot soldiers in that kingdom. I don't know what all we're going to have to do, but you're going to have to work. You need to start working now. Genesis 1-3, what do I mean? Two creations. Well, you know, this, this building was first created in the mind's eye of an architect. He put it down on drafting paper, and then boom, you got this building. It had to happen in the mind first. Then, the physical reality. Genesis 1 verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, 
vision and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Verse 6, And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. Vision. And verse 7, So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. God has vision. And He makes that vision happen. Much easier than we do, okay? But do you see that? He thinks it, and then He creates it. Now notice this. 1 Corinthians 15.22 1 Corinthians 15.22 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22 for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. As in Adam all die, one creation, so in Christ all will be made alive, a second creation. Verse 42 of the same chapter. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are also those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. As just we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. First creation and a second creation. First creation and a second creation. You've got a vision. You've got to use goals to get to that vision. Now when I say goals, I'm starting to wind down now. I'm starting to wind down here. Maury said I could take a few minutes extra if I wanted to, so I'm okay. <laughs> I want you to start thinking about your vision of the kingdom. And I want you to use that piece of paper here in a minute. So you've got this vision out there, okay? Kind of like Martin Luther King had his vision. John F. Kennedy had his vision. Beck Weathers had his vision. And they had to have things done to get to that vision, right? Beck Weathers had to get up off the ground. He saw his family. If he didn't get off the ground and start moving, he was a dead man. He wasn't going to see his family. If John F. Kennedy didn't say what he said, those NASA scientists wouldn't have worked as hard as they did to get a man on the moon. So you want to get to the kingdom, right? You need to work at it. 
You need to work. How do you, how do you get to work at it? I'll give you a suggestion. I'll leave you with a suggestion today. You need to have inspiration and goals to get there, to keep you on the right track. And I'll give you one idea today, and you guys have the Bible to help you with a lot more. But just so you feel that vision, I want you to write down a few scriptures. And you may have heard them already this week. Isaiah 11, 6 through 10. Isaiah 11, 6 through 10. Write that one down. That's one of my favorites. And I'll just read this one. Isaiah 11, 6 through 10. The wolf will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all of my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Get that vision. Get that vision. Write down Isaiah 35, verse 1, verses 6 through 10. Write down Micah 4, verses 1 through 4. You guys are well aware of all these kingdom prophetic scriptures in the prophets. I won't belabor it. But get that vision in your mind and then set up goals that can connect to that vision. Now what do I mean by that? Set up goals that connect to that vision. Now you guys all know about keeping the Sabbath, keeping the holy days, observing God's law, repenting, praying, fasting. You guys know all that. Here's what I mean. I'm going to give you something else to think about. What roles do you play in your life right now? And your roles may change in life as you get older or you're younger, wherever you are. Write down a few of your roles on that piece of paper that was given to you. Here's what I mean by roles. So I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a brother, I'm a son. I'm an elder, and I'm a volunteer. Those are some roles that I play in my life. And you need to tie those roles that you have in life to your kingdom vision. Now, how do you do that? Well, let me give you an example. So let me take one of my roles. Well, I, I gave you one earlier. As an elder in the church, when I got that late night phone call, Okay? Because I had the kingdom vision, I stayed on the phone. You get what I'm saying here? So as a brother to my three brothers, I want to relate my relationship to my brothers to my kingdom vision. So two of my brothers aren't in the church. They're Greek Orthodox. But I maintain relationship with them. I continue to talk to them on the phone. I continue to visit with them. And I write it down to make sure I do it. A weekly schedule where I'm trying to connect with them through a phone call. I was over at my brother's house last Sunday. Not yesterday. The Sunday before. Hanging out with him and my other brother. 
watching the Steelers. I'm so good. <laughs> but I was, I was relating to my brothers too, so, okay? But you need to set up goals around the roles you have in life that are tied into your vision of the kingdom. In my kingdom vision, I see my brothers getting resurrected in the future. I hope I'm in the first resurrection so I can be there if they don't get it in this life. Because I'm continuing to relate to them. They're going to get it when they wake up. Because I told them about it. What are your roles? What goals are you setting around them to connect to that kingdom vision as a father? Fathers out there. What's your vision? What are your goals around your kids in connecting them to that kingdom? Are you getting with them at night before they go to bed? I'll admit, some days go by, forgot to tell my daughter to say her prayers. But I do it on a pretty regular basis. I'll admit I haven't done it every night. She, she's getting it now. She's starting to do it. She knows it. She's saying her prayer on her own. I'm like, whoa. That's good. That's good. It's our responsibility. It's your responsibility. Remember, you're a leader. Mothers, same deal. I know mothers do a better job at that than fathers. So. <laughs> Who are you a brother or sister with? Do you have aging parents like I do? Are you still connecting with them, visiting them? Because that all relates to family. It all relates to the kingdom vision. Family, relationship, right here, right now, praying for sick people. When you're sick, let us know you're sick. Tell us about it. Help us get it. That when we're healthy, we need to understand where other people are at. Some people say, why doesn't God take all the sickness away? Why is He answering all these prayers, all these sick people? Folks, this life is going away. This life is fading away. Don't hold on to it. Fight for the vision. Pray for the health of the people. But it's God's will will be done. Accept His will. When David's baby died... He got up from fasting and praying. And he continued. I'm going to tell you a little story to close things out here. Because this happened on my way to the feast. And it just fits. It just fits for what I've been discussing with you today. So I'm on my way to the feast. And I only had to take two flights to get to the feast site in Fort, Fort Walton Beach. So I'm in a hurry, going through the airport. Uh, my wife, my daughter, my mother-in-law, they're not, 
you know, committed to the church yet. I'm working on my daughter, of course, but she's only six. But uh, she's more committed than my wife and mother-in-law say, because she I, she goes with me whenever I go. But uh, you know, my mother-in-law and, and wife they, they actually came for half the feast, which is which is good. So you can pray for that for me. Keep praying on that for me. So they were taking a different flight because my wife uh, said a little bit later that she wanted to go, and I'd already gotten my ticket. So I, didn't, I, I want you to understand that sometimes we don't say enough, you know, why is he flying without his wife and his family, okay? That was why, okay? So I get to Charlotte, and I'm in a hurry to get to my gate. And I go into a restroom there, and as soon as I walk in the door of the restroom, I'm bringing this bag behind me, and as soon as I get around the corner into the restroom, there's an attendant there. So those of you who may not see this all the time, some uh, restrooms will have an attendant who gives you some candy, uh, has some uh, mouthwash in there for you. If you give them a little tip, you know, you can, you can have some of the gum or whatever is in there. So as soon as I get around the corner, hello, how you doing, sir? Leave that bag right at the door. And it's like when you're carrying a bag around, you're going to the bathroom, you know, you don't, you got to get it in the door. And those of you who've done that, it's, it's a pain. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I can leave my bag at the door. This guy's got that covered. He says, step right up, step right up. Everything is clean and spotless in here. And so I'm like, clean and spotless in a, in a bathroom at the airport? Those of you that have been in bathrooms at the airport, I don't mean to drag us down here, but I just want to give you something real here. And so, you know, I started looking around this bathroom, and I was like, wow, this bathroom is different. This bathroom is clean and spotless, as I looked around. And there's people in and out of there, a lot. And I'm like, wow, yeah, this, this bathroom's different. So I go in, you know, to my stall, and I looked on the seat and around the floor, and it was clean and spotless. And I was like, this is nice. I like this bathroom. I got happy. I was happy. I felt good. And a moment before, I was rushing around and, you know, I got to get here. I, gotta, I was losing my vision. You get what I'm saying here? Uh, you know how we lose our vision? You know, you get on the phone in the middle of the night, you can lose your vision. You know, your, your car's not ready when you're renting at the airport. You got to get on a flight. You can lose your vision. Or you can maintain it. There are two paths you can go by. The choice is yours. So, I'm enjoying this vision of this bathroom because I like clean bathrooms. I just like a clean bathroom. And I got happy. So I was finishing up, and uh, he had his tip box there. And I said, I'm going to give him an extra tip because I'm on my way to the feast. I got some extra cash. So I said, as I was about to say something to him, a pilot walks in, and he knows this guy by the first name. He's, I forgot what his name was, but he's like, hey, Joe, how you doing? Uh, they go into this conversation. And I said, hey, I just wanted to tell you something. This was the best bathroom I've ever been in at an airport, and I'm going to give you a big tip because of that. And the pilot said, yeah, this is the best bathroom in the airport. And the guy says to me this, and this is what I want you to remember. The guy says to me this. He goes, thanks, man. I'm going to feed off your energy now. 
I'm going to feed off your energy now. And what he was saying was, because as I was sitting in my stall, I could hear this guy. Everybody who walked through that door, he had something to say to them. Guys wearing a New York Yankees cap. Derek, Derek, Derek Jeter. Retiring, yeah, Derek, great ball player. I love Derek, blah, blah, blah. Going on about Derek Jeter. Guy comes in with a St. Louis cap. So Cardinals are in the in the uh, playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Another guy comes in wearing something. He's talking about the guy's clothes. This guy's working. He's working. He's working. Everybody coming in there. He wasn't stopping. And I told him this. He goes, thanks, man. I'm going to feed off that energy you're giving me. So what I'm telling you is this. The kingdom vision can keep that energy for you. Keep the kingdom vision. Amen. Amen.